Blog Talk Radio. Good evening and welcome once again to Madam Perry Salon, the podcast that loves you. I used to say the one with more celebrities than the inauguration. Heck, this I think still has more celebrities than the even the most recent inauguration. But that's because here in my cultural salon, my little genie bottle in cyberspace, somehow I Somehow the magic works, and I get the most fantastic people on here, as you probably know. Oh, and yes, and if you're new, I am Madam Perry, your spiritual advisor, your groove mistress, and your love counselor. Wait, let's strike that one. I don't want to hear too many stories. Let's let's, let's leave that alone. Let's leave it where it was. And future ukulele player. So, um... Let's see, what has happened recently? Oh, and you don't have to call me Madam. You can call me Jen, Jennifer, JP, it's all good, or Perry. Um, Let's see, recently we had uh, Park Overall, if you might remember from the 80s show, uh, uh, Empty Nest. She was on recently. She's an activist now as well as an actor, and she was absolutely hilarious. Also, uh, you may have noticed... Uh, Grammy Award-winning saxophonist Dave Koz. You know, he was on here a couple of months ago, and now he's back out on tour again, and we are so thrilled, and I'm so looking forward to seeing him in Atlanta, if he gets this way. And who else? Oh, David Fishoff, they're having, he's the guy that aided, came up with the idea of the uh, Ringo Stars All-Star Band, as well as the fantasy, rock and roll fantasy camp, and he's doing this again. Everybody's out there uh, playing. I think there's Don Feldman, uh, Nita Strauss, who plays guitar for Alice Cooper, and Lita Ford, who was on the show a couple of years ago. Lots of people. And I don't know, but when David Fishoff was here on the show, he did say that if you sign up for Rock and Roll Fantasy Camp, or I think Roger Daltrey's back in there, too, uh, soon. But if you sign up for Rock and Roll Fantasy Camp and say that Madam Perry sent you, He'll have a guitar waiting for you as a gift when you get there. Isn't that nice? So, yeah, a lot of the guests are very uh, very generous like that with some gifts. Also, Franny Goldie, the magic pants that uh, Adam Glassman talks about, and Oprah, she still gives a discount if you mention MPS for your coupon code at the end and on those things. So that is fabulous. Yes, the same Franny Goldie that wrote Stick With You for the Pussycat Dolls and Night Shift for the Commodores and on and on and on, all kinds of songs. But anyway, okay, if you listen to this show, if you are not brand new, you am a fan of steampunk. No, wait a minute, that's not true. I freaking love steampunk. And, you know, I've had, i got to credit James Breen of Wild Wild West Con of uh, bringing me into the, the world, the life of steampunk out at uh, Wild West Con in Arizona. And ever since then, I'm a believer, James Breen, James Spring, um, everybody. And in fact, one of my recent guests, uh, or I think he was a guest, no, I think it's been a year and a half because it was before the last... Um, the last time we were actually at Wild West, which was uh, 2020. Yes, how could I forget? We went to Wild West Con in the little the little western village that is called Old Town Tucson, where a lot of TV shows and films were made. And there we are in all of our costumery in this little Wild West town, and we're all having a ball. Then we all leave for the weekend. We all leave on Sunday, turn our clocks forward an hour, and that's when everyone entered the time, the Twilight Zone. Even the band, which was uh, Poison Garden, a steampunk band from Italy, when they got back home to Italy, everybody was sequestered. Only one person allowed out of the home at a time to get 
for essential needs. So anyway, but it's going to be back next year. And uh, oh, so anyway, it was, it was Wheeler Stone or Doc Stone who uh, makes some fantastic things of leather. Uh, he was a previous guest, and he's the one that referred tonight's guest to me, and I am absolutely thrilled. So there's a new film in town. You've seen me post the. You've seen me post the trailer. It's called Secret Within the Sphere. It's a sci-fi, steampunk, action-adventure film. Tonight, I have the writer and director, David Noble of Noble Park Productions. David, get comfortable. Get on a big cushion here in the genie bottle. Sit down. And say hello. Yeah, this is great. This is great. I, 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 will, I will tell you that this is the first. I've never been in a cyberspace genie bottle before, but thank you. Thank you. I, oh, I, I get to do, do something new every day. I had a, I had a feeling that it, that you would settle right in with it. So just get a because you you're that kind yeah, of guy. It's, it's a lot more comfortable than it sounds. <laughs> well, sure, because it's magic. Um, it, it um expands or contracts to uh, meet its needs. I'm I'm told, and uh, so congratulations, your new film. Secret Within the Sphere, um, even though it hasn't, it's not out for public distribution yet, you've been hitting the film festivals, they had screenings, and it's, it's racking up uh, awards and accolades everywhere. Tell us about that and how it feels. So it, it feels great. Um, probably not as great as it feels sitting in this genie bottle. I, I will tell you, the cup holders are a nice addition to the whole genie bottle. That's great. But, but <laughs> neither here nor there. Um, for, for Secret Within the Sphere, which is our, our newest venture into feature films, um, this has been three years in the making, and it's our first sci-fi, let alone steampunk adventure, and we completed the project about four months ago and immediately started uh, pushing it through the uh, film festival circuit, and so far we've received 13 uh, official selections, honorable mentions, semi-finalists, finalists um, for, for the different categories. And we've won in four different festivals for best feature or best science fiction. And so, and there's still plenty more submissions. That is fantastic. And, you know, the thing is, that is what, you know, all the hard work and the planning and putting your heart and your love and your time and sometimes your money into these things, you know, that's got to be the biggest payoff of all is that other people recognize your vision and what you're trying to do and love it, embrace it. It speaks to them. It is wonderful to, to receive the accolades, but, but I would tell you it's equally enjoyable to come up with a creative concept and, and have the ability, have the uh, resources, have a, 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 a network of friends, cast and crew that help you realize your vision and so this was this was a story that that we wanted to tell and this was a story that was i would say nine years in the making and thanks to everyone in pennsylvania and maryland and new jersey and the entire um central pa area really helped us uh realize this concept this steampunk movie well, while we're lucky, um, we're lucky tonight to have uh, some of the actors and also the director of photography involved. So before we get to them, let me just cover for uh, people to whom this may be new. Uh, just give us a, a bit on the history of Noble Park Films and and how did you choose this uh, steampunk for a film? Oh, absolutely. So my background includes a communications degree from the university of tampa but my job did not allow me because i went in a different direction i really didn't allow the creative outlet um however about 10 years ago i met my wife and you know kind of inspired the creativity and together we started making short films and we did that under a different named banner so we did a few short films and then we started doing feature films and we did uh, a horror movie in Louisiana. We did an action martial arts movie in Seoul, South Korea. Uh, we did a, a, a treasure hunter adventure in El Paso. And then finally, uh, about uh, two years ago, 
three years ago, we decided to do science fiction and steampunk. But the genesis of doing steampunk actually went as far back as Korea, where some of our uh, film cohorts were actually doing steampunk in Korea. And it was our, that was our first introduction into it. And so every time we've gone to, to, to aspire to make a steampunk project, there was a lot of people that didn't know about the genre, didn't know about what the concepts were. And so um, it was fun, new territory for all of us as there was discovery learning uh, for both the science fiction and the steampunk aspects of what we were making. Yeah, it's a very inclusive atmosphere, isn't it? Oh, absolutely. It's very inclusive. It's very creative. I mean, all walks of life, whether it's jewelry or the 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 – the, the costume design or the music or the literature or, in our case, which is very few, um, an actual video concept. Mm-hmm. So, yeah, and, and, and um, I think there is so much to explore there. So maybe maybe this won't be your I, – I don't know. I know you can't give out some secrets. I know all about NDAs from working in PR and – working on film in Atlanta, so I know you can't tell, but maybe, just maybe you'll have another steampunk film for us in the future. I'm not saying Well, you know, it's always based on how well the current project does, <laughs> whether it, it, it facilitates the next one. But this, this movie is designed with a cliffhanger ending that does mm-hmm. allow an opportunity for a sequel. I'm just going to leave that at that. Okay. Okay. All right. Okay. Everybody's liking this. And by the way, if you're listening live tonight, and this is July 26, 2021, 812 p.m. Eastern or GMT minus five, whatever you call it, uh, and you want to have a question, you can always call in the number 646-716-9922, which is a toll-free call in the continental U.S. according to Blog Talk Radio. But after this, it's also available in Spotify, um, Apple, Stitcher, wherever you listen to podcasts to download at no charge. So if you do, but if you do have a question, call the number or if you can't get to your phone because we've all had jobs where we need to make a call and we can't, uh, you can always message me through Facebook to Jennifer Mott at Perry or through Madam Perry Salon. So, all right, so how did you um, – before I introduce the people here, how did you pull the cast and crew together? Or is that a better so, question for some of them? Well, I, I'll let them expound upon it, but every two, three, four years, my wife and I, we would move to a new location, and we would immediately go sightseeing, and we would look for the local com- uh, film community. And so in Pennsylvania, there were two communities that we met really early. That was the Lancaster Film and TV out of uh, Lancaster, and then there was a group called Vid Jam out of the state capital, Harrisburg. And between those two um, film community groups, uh, we started meeting the cast and crew, and then it, it just become a spider web effect of networking. And so Suji, Austin, George, everyone started off with those two local film groups. Nice. Okay. Well, I'm going to go ahead now and introduce, since you See, we made room for them all here, and I hope they're on nice, nice, comfy cushions. Yeah, I'm going to scoot over. Um, I'm going to scoot over. Yeah, please. Right. yeah, I didn't want to say that. Uh, so, and, and and don't worry if you if you spill anything, it it cleans up in no time here because it's magic. Um, you, we have with you. Let me introduce first, uh, Suji. Oh, hi, how are you? Hi, oh, Suji. Comfortable. Hi. No, oh, good. And uh, did you get the purple one? Good to see you, David. <laughs> good to hear you see you again <laughs> uh, and uh, so Suchi Cruz uh, you're actress you play the character Duchess Adeline yes and I think you were also involved I see your name on the uh, writing credits as well uh, a little bit yeah uh, for one of the scenes yeah I kind of hope that with something <laughs> Okay, well, welcome, excited. Also, uh, I'd like to introduce, and actually, Suji, could you do me a favor? Just reach over to the beaded curtain and open it up so we can have George Wintel step in. Hi, George. George. I'm, I'm here, just uh, hey, George, trying to share the pillow with you. With your big old grin. 
George Winchell, director of photography for the film? Yes. Okay. <laughs> I always say sometimes when I have a lot of people, uh, which isn't always, but a lot of people in the discussion, I feel like I turn into Nancy Grace. You know how she'll say somebody's name and then give all of their um, identifiers with them. It'll be, you know, something like, a, okay, George Winchell, judge. Superior Court, DeKalb County, investigator, you know, like everything has to come up again. But we're going to all know who you are now. And, of course, let me, George, if you'll open a beaded curtain, George, and let this man come in, Mr. Austin Green. Austin, welcome to Madam Perry's Salon. Howdy. Um, <laughs> um, Not what I'm you sorry, thought, I, I know. Think- I, well, no, I just I didn't expect this place to be so uh, so um, such an attractive uh, little circle. Well, thank you. Well, I see you all cleaned <laughs> up nicely. So, uh, so listen, what? Um, okay, I will know how the cast and crew came together and what um, what motivated each of you to be involved in this project. And let's start with Suji. Um, well, one of the things that was really cool about this project was actually that um, as far as a lot of the cast, uh, we actually all met, the majority of us all already knew each other from an acting class in Lancaster that was taught by Brad Hawkins. Um, so in reality, um, a lot of us were just sort of finishing up taking some of those classes and had been working together for about two years just sort of doing these like um, audition-based kind of classes, um, and it was really cool that um, a good portion of us were actually selected to be a part of the film um, because it almost kind of felt like our final exam. Um, so it was, you know, two months basically in the summer where we got to have fun together and be in these really, really cool locations, um, just kind of bonding and making those relationships even more um, profound. So that was really, really cool. Fantastic. And uh, uh, well, how did you come um, to be involved? I was, I, I had actually, was, I was involved with this video festival group in Harrisburg called uh, VidGem. And they actually have an event coming up here soon that Suji and I will be co-hosting together. Um, and that will be actually in the Lancaster area because they kind of bounce back and forth. But originally I had met an acting teacher named Bradley Hawkins, and that's where I met Fuji in his acting class, and then I came in at the right time because it wasn't long after that I got to meet everyone else, and I was lucky enough to have been invited to um, audition. All right, and so let me get the other introduction now to George Winchell, Director of Photography. I am here. Um, <laughs> what well, brought we you in with the the big yes. money, yeah. the fame. What was the, what was what was it brought you in? Actually, David bought me a beer at the meeting he was talking about for VidJam. So I'm a cheap date. <laughs> but um, we were actually uh, sitting at a table just uh, chatting, and he said, "Hey, I've got this movie uh, coming up, and um, would I be interested?" And I do mostly commercial, and I was really looking for an opportunity to do something in the narrative realm. Um, and it just turned out to be a, a really great fit. Nice. And um, director of photography, what does that mean to the layperson like me? Um, technically, it means I am in charge of the visual, and I'm uh, kind of a go-between uh, between the director and the actor. So the director's vision for how he wants the the film shot, the look, the feel. Um, That's pretty much my job uh, to figure out technically how to film that from the choice of the camera, the lenses, and the lighting. Okay. All right. So, and now, Austin, you play the character, is is it Evo or Ivo Bell? It's Ivo Bell, yes. Ivo Bell, okay. And tell us about him. Who is well, Ivo Bell? Um, I really, I, I was really excited um, 
not just about the character, but as as we develop, as the as the film had been developed, I realized that I was going to have like a little ship that my character was going to be flying. So that was what got me. I was like, man, if I have a ship, um, <laughs> that was really what like hooked me in, you know. So, um, but you know, I I I I kind of imagine my character is like like a like a Han Solo type, but I, you know. Um, but that might just be wishful thinking, you know, <laughs> that's how I like to see myself, <laughs> but, um, but yeah, so. You got to keep the vision alive, okay? If not, what's the point? Um, you know, so is that, so did you, um, did you sort of model, uh, your, your acting technique or, or your, um, how you handled the, the script, the character, the movements of Ivo after Han Solo? Or... Oh, no. I would say once we got into – a lot of times when you're, when you, when you're preparing to act in something, you, you can do a bunch of preparation, and then all of a sudden they'll be like, here's your outfit or here's the scenery, and then everything that you prepared all of a sudden doesn't make sense. Does that make sense? So – um, you do still do the preparation. You just become a bit more vague about it. And then whenever you get your outfit or you see the scenery, then you get a little bit more specific. Um, so once I, once I had gotten outfitted for the role, that definitely informed a little bit more of how I moved and, and how I walked about the scenes and things like that. So I wouldn't say specifically that, but I, I guess from a third person perspective, that's what somebody might associate my character with to some degree. Were you already um, interested or involved with steampunk at the time? I I had been to a lot of comic cons, and sometimes they will have like a a section that's just completely dedicated to steampunk type stuff. So I've been familiarized with it, but I think around this area, there's not a ton of you know. Uh, representation for that particular community. So I think it's really exciting that that this I, – I was really excited about the idea of this film being made here as a result of that, you know, because I don't think it gets the same type of representation as it does, say, in, like, Southern California. Hmm. That's interesting, it, that perspective. I wouldn't have thought that. Um, so let me ask, too. Let me go to Suji. Were you were you yes. already aware of steampunk or, and before this? I was actually. Um, so I actually briefly um, before I really delved into more of the acting side of things, um, did a little bit of modeling and cosplay, and through the process of doing some of that, um, was introduced to a lot of people, um, especially in the Maryland area, that do um, a lot of steampunk. Um, so. Um, I had already gotten to know a lot of those people, which was really cool because then when I helped with costume and design for the film as well, um, and we were looking at different things, um, I was able to kind of reach out to some of the people that did a lot of that in the community um, and get different pieces to put together to kind of complete looks for people. Um, so that was that was a really cool thing, and um, and then you know in that way also get more people that are in the area that um, really enjoy that to either you know want to be extras or to want to in, in the film, um, or even just like share our posts and get them excited on social media and hopefully come to the premiere here in August because that would be really really cool. But yeah, I was I was familiar with the, the concept, um, kind of sort of involved. <laughs> And, and somehow I get the feeling that maybe, just maybe, I've been wrong a time or two, that maybe um, George Winchell did have some steampunk knowledge or experience or familiarity. Um, I did. Actually, uh, we filmed a lot of the big scenes involving uh, the trains at uh, Strasburg Railroad, and there, I think, either the oldest or the second oldest steam operating railroad in the country. And I had done some commercial work for them before that. And that's when I learned about uh, the whole steampunk world. Um, I I honestly knew nothing of it. I had kind of heard the terminology, but uh, whenever they would have events uh, and 
the whole the trains and and that era um you know uh it, it's fascinating because if you've never been around steam engines uh it's pretty impressive it, it's it's an amazing and and i got kind of an inside look at that but we would hear the stories about you know the steampunkers that would come out and they would you know do pictures and you know ride the train and uh and i've done a couple of photo shoots with uh similar to what suji was talking about people who do cosplay and dress up um i can't say i was a, a fan of the genre but i i was aware of it and from a visual standpoint it's it's probably as close as i'm going to get to a marvel movie so that was a lot of fun <laughs> <laughs> okay, so so how about now? Are, are you any more enamored of it? Are you in the in the I'm, I'm, I'm still fascinated with it, but to be honest with you, the the fact that they're dressed up in that uh, Victorian clothing on hot summer days, uh, oh. nope. I think I'm gonna be a little more fan of uh, of anybody who's gonna be at the beach in uh, board shorts. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, you know that's what I, that's what I should be thinking about because I've I've already reserved my rooms for next um, March for uh, Wild Wild Westcon in Tucson coming back, and now I'm thinking about the the temperature going sky high out there. <laughs> yep, it, it, it's not clothing that's uh, geared for for people who don't like to sweat. Mm-mm. Yep, maybe I have to find some little, <laughs> little tiny portable fans going inside those big skirts or something. So um, that's just one. That's just an idea. I don't know. So anyway, um, as I was saying, if you have a question, if you're listening live and have a question or a comment, the number is 646-716-9922. Or you can message me on Facebook either through Madam Perry Salon or Jennifer Modette Perry, and I'll be happy to share it. And I do have a question. Um, It's already been messaged in, but I'm going to hold it because – Oh, and this is the guy that's a sci-fi writer, so you're going to like him a lot. He's going to have good questions. So if you could all um, give me just a minute. I've got a message on here, so you've got a chance to get a glass of water. But if not, I don't have time to mute everybody. Uh, so I'm going to just play it and just, you know, don't, don't, don't yell at your dog or anybody, okay? It's just... Uh, <laughs> Okay, so here's just a little quick message I mean, the world has gone crazy, right? I mean, this whole pandemic I I, I don't even know if I'm coming or going anymore You know what I mean? But the one thing during the pandemic that I found out, right? That was a good thing Was the Madame Paris Salon I mean, this podcast, right? When you hear her laughing, all you want to do is laugh. Eh? When her dog's barking in the background and she's talking to the dog, she's going to an interview. And I'm like, this podcast is the best podcast I've ever heard before. You know what I mean? Well, we don't have any dogs barking yet, but it's thunderstorming that they make. <laughs> anyway, it could happen. It could happen. So anyway, well, listen, I have um, – I don't know if any of you are familiar with an author, Zigzag Claiborne, um, who in daily life is Clarence Young, but has his pen name Zigzag Claiborne. And he was on here a few months back. One of his uh, books that I especially love is called Afro Puffs Are the Antenna of the Universe. It is an adult sci-fi book, and it is fantastic. Um, it, it's a real thriller. So Clarence, or Zigzag, has uh, said, oh, after the intro, he said, you're always mad unto me. Thank you, Clarence. You're the, you are the sweetest. Uh, and he has a question for David. Was there a steampunk concept that you wanted to include but was too big for the movie? Like, And he gives some examples of, Giant mechanical crab, robot, eagle jet, you know. So I I will tell you that in preparation, uh, just like any other project, I look for what would be cool for me. And then there's the the moment of reality that we either can't accomplish or can't afford. And so it becomes compromise. And so I I know that I wanted more – I wanted more people 
Uh, I wanted grander scenes like ballrooms, and mm. I wanted uh, more fights, and I wanted more uh, gunfights, and I wanted more air battles. I mean, it was really just a matter of more. And so in the absence of, you know, with the budget, because this is a micro-independent movie, and in, in the absence of a larger budget, what I just did was kind of reduce it in scale. And so there is a gunfight. There is a fist fight. There are air battles. Um, there's a lot of visual effects. Um, there's a lot of, of components to this, which is, which is all new territory for us. And, and there was a lot of, of coordination. And uh, to, to say that it was small and scale is relative because we had 150 people that during pre or production or post were involved in this project. And so 150 people to, to help, you know, what became this project is in, in, a, in a lot of ways, no small feat. And so, yes, I would have loved more of what I did, but I think we hit probably the cornerstones of what would be expected for science fiction and steampunk. Wow. Yeah. Uh, you know, this, this brings a question to mind. Uh, Talk about more fight scenes. Why is it that I don't want to see people fight in public in real life, whether it's just arguing or fist fights or whatever, but it's so much more exciting in a movie or TV? Why? <laughs> yeah, I'm going to blame Jackie Chan for that one. I'm going to blame the entire Chinese martial arts community of the last 50 years. They've, they've, me for life and so thank you thank you Jackie Chan I'm gonna, I'm gonna go out on a limb with that one it's, it's Jackie Chan I think people, people just want to see conflict I think mm-hmm. they want to see conflict and I think if they want to see resolution and the appetite just grows more and more by the day I mean you know like everyone would love to aspire to be a Marvel movie or a Star Wars movie or you know something very very grandiose like a Lord of the Rings and, but you work within your means. And so, you know, when, 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 when I came to Pennsylvania, this was 2018, George, Austin, Suji, I mean, they're all, they're all positions. They're all, you know, in the central PA game, and I'm the new guy coming in. And the only thing I have is my word and a movie that I had on Amazon Prime. And so it was my word and my reputation. And then just the, the, the they maybe a little bit of charisma, but really it was the promise to deliver. And so convincing George Austin Suji, convincing everyone in Pennsylvania, convincing any number of people to participate. And, you know, it ended up, you know, resulting in this. And so it's really, it's really a high level of appreciation for people really a leap of faith with you. Um, and, and in the meantime, asking, hey, Thank you for coming along. Let's do a fight scene. We're going to punch you 10 times. Hey, what do you think about that? <laughs> okay. All right. Um, Zigzag adds uh, movie fights or the dance scenes we never get in real life. I, I think he's right there. Because <laughs> I think I also heard on MST3000, underwater fights or the drum solos of movies. So... Yeah, I will tell you during pre-production. Um, during pre-production, when you come up with the script development, you'll you'll come up with kind of like a, a treatment or kind of an outline of how it's going to go. Mm-hmm. And then for me, it's always a second draft, which is the pie in the sky concept. And, and I was really coming up with things like you mentioned underwater. No kidding, I was thinking there'd be underwater components to this. But then the reality sets as you start putting on your production, your producer's hat, and and the reality helps you. Not compromise, but really have a realistic approach to to what your your vision is. And so there was underwater scenes, and there were ballroom scenes, and there was there was a lot of elements that were grandiose. Like um, we do we do a, a fight at the OK Corral scene, and I would have loved to had like a force of thirty on thirty shooting at each other. Um, we were able to get about a dozen, and so you know it it turned out fairly well in the end. And really appreciate you know all the hard work for everyone that came on. So tell us then what is um, and 
David, do you want to tell or you want to have anybody add their part in? What is Secret Within the Sphere about? <laughs> Does anyone want to take that on? Or if, Come on, you know, somebody. What, what somebody. do you guys think? I'm still waiting think? to find out. Who <laughs> is that, George? Don't don't mention what the actual secret is. Let's not let's not blow the the second act, you know, <laughs> cliffhanger. But. I tell you what, if if you guys you want to know a great ending, if you guys want to know a great ending, I'll tell you right now. This uh, steampunk film. I uh, I I uh, I think it's just a you know a good old fashioned adventure film. And I don't think people make those anymore. You don't see it like a good old happy, uh, you know family adventure film. Okay, so then tell me about your character, uh, Austin, uh, Austin Green, and I'm excuse me, mm-hmm. Ivo Bell, and uh, Duchess Adeline. Uh, do they interact? Do they know each other? Is this, um, he is my chief of security. So, he is my what? chief of security, actually. Oh, um, oh okay. So um, the funny thing about it is um, he was saying that he sort of thought Han Solo um, mm-hmm. And we're good wish, enough friends to like, probably say that. <laughs> I was gonna say we're good enough friends that we, he might he might be entertained by this. I was actually almost thinking of if you've ever seen Spaceballs that he was um, uh, Mistress Dot, like the little robot um, uh, <laughs> chaperone for Princess Vespa. <laughs> I might take that. Yeah, I think. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I think I'm Joan yeah, Rivers. No. For sure. You're John Rivers. Yeah, you're John Rivers. Dot Matrix. Yeah. Dot Matrix. Yeah. Home the Desert. Yeah. Um, so, yeah, so we interact quite a bit. Um, I think most of the scenes that Austin had, he had with my character. So, um, a lot also with the, um, the lead actor. I think um, it was kind of evenly divided between the two of us. But, yeah, he was my chief of security. So. Okay. And, and the cool thing is that Suji, Suji and I just continue working together on, like, tons of things now, still. Yeah. We've been on probably, like, four different productions since Secret Wrap, which is really mm-hmm. pretty amazing. Oh, fantastic. So, well, yeah, then you're going to have to, you guys are going to all have to come down to Atlanta for a while. You know, we're we're cranking back up, too. Oh yeah, Tyler Perry. I, I would love to. His, you know, Tyler amazing. Perry's turned his thing into like a whole city. He's gonna, gonna get a grocery store down there and all kinds of stuff, a hotel. There's a Tyler yeah, Perry grocery great. store. No, yeah, no, 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 it's no, no, a whole no. village. It's, it's 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 a whole village. So when you go and you do um, productions, so that everybody, it kind of started off, I think, because of the whole thing with the pandemic. It's to get everybody to all kind of be quarantined together and in a pod together so that, you know, it's, it's easier to do the productions. Uh, but yeah, it's a whole village. So you can stay there and you can yeah. work there. And, yeah. Have you been there, Suji? I haven't. I, I know. Um, so I'm also a producer. So I, uh-huh. um, and I'm also a COVID compliance officer. So I, you often have to, um, see what other people are doing. Uh, unfortunately, there's no production that we have the budget for here in central Pennsylvania that where we can create our own village. Um, so that would be a lovely. And I'm sure that, you know, George is a DP and a director often would love that. <laughs> As actors would also be very thrilled. Uh, the most I can offer is, and Austin's had to take me up on this offer, is when we're doing other productions, I have a guest house. So I'm like, you guys can stay there. <laughs> Um, I would say Suji is responsible for the largest filmmaking village in in our area, for sure. Because wow. he also has the uh, the Broken Tile uh, production production company. Uh-huh. So, so that's that's where we spend a lot of our time, like working on projects together and stuff. Too. So that's it's like it's got like a two office. Yeah, thing. it's really nice. So. We're working really? on our so Tyler Perry city. <laughs> we're, we're not quite at, a, at Tyler Perry, but we have an office and a, and a guest house. That's hey, I can <laughs> dig it. That's a big deal. That bad. Hey, that's that's agency. That matters. No, yeah. She, what I was saying was, uh, guys, was that, uh, yeah, she's right. Tyler Perry is is 300 acres or 330 acres. It's on a. It's part of what was Fort McPherson Army Base um, that he bought, but because it's so big, you know, there's like several buildings. Um, I've only been in, in one building, but still to drive through there and, and find it. But this is going to just 
at a public grocery store and things like that, just so people have stuff nearby. So maybe he's ever going to leave. I don't know. I don't know. <laughs> it's lovely, actually. Um, so that brings to mind a question for – well, oh, and I know what David was talking about earlier about the budget from the question from ZigZag um, and things you didn't do. George, would you like to have something – what would you – in in your dreams, if you were to call up your best friend from school and say, "You'll never guess what I just did," what would that be? Working uh, with with underwater scenes or or in the air? Um, what would that be? No, honestly, I mean, for me, I, I mean, I love the creation of something visual. <clears throat> you know, mostly through you know the lighting and and choice of cameras. So, in all honesty, it would be a project that. The artistic vision uh, was not tied to the financial success, so that, you know, what I'm saying is that something would be with a group of people that all we could do or worry about or need to do is create something that looked the way we wanted it to, not have to worry about what it cost to do that or if it was going to make money back. Um, because you're always, as David said, you have to temper reality with your creative vision. And... You know, until you reach the top of this field, you don't get to tell people, well, just give me a truck of money and I will spend it the way I want and you will be happy. You know, the rest of us have to say, well, you've got a glove compartment with a couple of bills in it and make a movie. Go, go, <laughs> go buy the Chick-fil-A on Sundays and then pick up all the chains <laughs> that drop by the window, that kind of thing. Yeah. And, and, and grab some footage as you go by the, the window because you never know. It could be a... A, a starving actress there serving you your chicken. So. Yeah. <laughs> but, yes, just something that where, where the creativity was not hindered by schedules, by money, by, you know, any of the limitations. So uh, whether that was underwater or a massive uh, fight scene, um, it's, it's, it's just a rare chance. And, and fortunately with this, you know, we, we had a lot of creativity for – next to no money and time. Um, and, you know, we were very fortunate to have visual locations that, you know, you didn't have to spend the fortune to make look good. Uh, as I said, the trains, uh, we had a beautiful uh, exterior mansion and overlooking uh, a forest and a state park. We had a industrial complex that literally looked like it just came out of a science fiction movie. So, uh, David did an amazing job finding locations that made, you know, a low budget look like a much bigger budget. But but truth truth in lending, when we were operating out of central Pennsylvania, which was like the Lancaster, Carlisle, Harrisburg area, there, there was there was some driving involved. I mean, we we would punch two plus hours to the north to that industrial complex. We we went two hours to the east to go to Philadelphia where the USS Olympia was. I mean, we were, we were all over the map and there was, there was part of that schedule, like, like uh, George said, you know, part of that schedule was spent on people having to get to these far locations. And so it, it was, it was just the nature of to get those backdrops, you had to travel to those places and, and they weren't all conveniently within your neighborhood. So that's, that's where some of that time loss was definitely uh, at was just getting to the place of the film. Did you have any, were there any places that you, you weren't able to get that you wanted or had difficulty because maybe somebody just didn't want a film crew there or they wanted too much money? So there was, there were places where there would have been a good aesthetic, a good backdrop, but um, they're obviously not back lots. They're not film production lots. And so the reality is, is that a lot of these are businesses. And when you look at insurance and you look at the potential for whether it's um, injuries or fatalities, it, it's just not worth it for them, you know, to disrupt their business to support some random Sunday filming. And so um, what we did was, we looked at places within the, the, the immediate area and just, mm -hmm. just widened the aperture outwards. And so mm -hmm. that's how we ended up two hours to the north in Lewistown. And that's how we ended up two hours to the east in Philadelphia proper. And, and it was only because 
you know, those were locations that were within the means and within, you know, a, a an availability to to support what we were filming there. And 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 it wasn't from a lack of trying through networking or through um, the film and PA website. Uh, it was it was a combination of willingness and budget and distance and any number of factors. And, and that's that's where the production comes in is. Yet you still have to compromise, you know, fiscally while still trying to achieve as much creative as possible. Okay, so so you you didn't you never felt the need to resort to doing um, as Steve Martin's character did in the movie Bowfinger. <laughs> I don't I don't think so. Have you seen that? <laughs> I think it's not fine in the end. I mean, you you do know the film. Yeah, Bowfinger. Yes. Yeah, okay. So that was good. Okay. Now, I'm still trying to pull a little story out of you guys. Uh, Suji, Adeline, yes. what is, okay, how about this? What is she the Duchess of? Um, so she is the Duchess of uh, Wallachia, which is the, the town that uh, we live in. Um, and she's sort of, I'm trying to think of um, the best way to say it without giving anything away. Um, or too much away. Um, basically, she is very similar to how, like, Princess Leia sort of sends a message out um, in order to get help, um, in order to sort of save her, her, her planet, kind of. Um, it's, it's a very similar kind of call to action. Um, I've been sort of stalking, I guess, like someone that would be a good criminal to kind of help me and has, like, a particular set of skills that could help me um, achieve a goal I have. And um, uh, Ivo does a great job of making sure he gets that person to me so that uh, we can go on this mission. And, um, so I, I really liked the fact that she um, is in, in, similar to a lot of other sci-fi um, leading ladies in, say, like Firefly or Farscape or, you know, even Star Wars. And I joked a little bit, but even something like Spaceballs, um, it kind of combines a little bit of that elegance and aristocratic nature with, like, a little bit of um, badassery, I guess. Like, she she, she participates in the fights and, and um, actually um, – and you kind of see it in the costuming. She goes from being very proper to being a little bit more like what you would think of C-Punk. Um, so it, it was pretty cool. Okay, so um... – David, you're going to have, uh, you've been, you know, you've had the screenings, been to the festivals and so forth, but I understand you've got very special, actually, two showings very, uh, next month in mid-August um, in Maryland? So in Gettysburg, Pennsylvania, yeah. oh, Gettysburg. which is on, right, so it's very close to the, the, the southern border where it connects with Maryland. And so August 13th through the 15th, Gettysburg is the host for Key City Steampunk. And so you mentioned about uh, Doc Stone and a couple of the other previous guests. They're actually running this affair. And since so many of the steampunk community uh, on the front end we connected with, and they are um, they actually came in and participated in the project. And so, and so, and so we um, – we we uh, we brought them in. They they were part of the cast and the crew. And the 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 idea was in the years to come, uh, we would actually show at at a future steampunk convention. And here we are now. So, RC Theaters is right next to the Wyndham, and we'll be showing uh, our Pennsylvania premiere on Saturday the fourteenth. A matinee showing. Okay, that's fantastic, and. Um... A lot of great people there. Uh, Tony Ballard, Smooth, Tobias, uh, all kinds of cool people there. And I think that's going to be a fantastic event for you. And, and at least it'll be close to home for most people, right? Yeah. So yeah. Austin yeah. is from Gettysburg. So that, that works out very well for him. Yeah. No, oh. I was blown away because that was like my childhood theater. So I was like, oh, my goodness, I'm going to see my face on my childhood theater screen. And that's like yeah. a movie scene right there. Oh, it fantastic. was. It was very romantic. Yeah. Oh. <laughs> yeah. 
<laughs> and then after that, when is the uh, distribution for, say, the rest of us? So the we're still in about a, a dozen more film festivals for consideration, and I'm working. I'm in talks with two other festivals uh, around the nation for getting included steampunk festivals. And so talking about Florida, talking about Missouri, and so a couple more of those. But the biggest thing is we are working with a distribution company, and we're about halfway through the process um, for them to be in a position to distribute the movie uh, by the Christmas time frame. So we're talking about uh, potentially DVDs, potentially video on demand, uh, international distribution, um, some of the other platforms, whether it's like a maybe a red box based on the, the desire or appetite for it, um, but in, any number of uh, potential uh, avenues. So that should be by Christmas. So far, since we first started this in 2018, we've been able to deliver on every single thing that we've said we would deliver on. And so this is, this is just the last of like a thousand promises um, along the way. So, you know, we're, we're confident that it, it'll be out there in some manner for public consumption in the near future. Yeah, a feat in itself that you to deliver. Um, I am just so excited for you guys. And, and by the way, and of course, all of you, you know, I know that in, in something like the arts, you really have to have a support system around you or people to encourage you. David, I am so glad that you married the woman you married. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, it reminds me every day <laughs> how lucky I am. That's what she told me. So, <laughs> okay, uh, let's see. Zigzag Claiborne has another question. Is there a treatment for movie two? Because you mentioned a sequel uh, possibility or, or cliffhanger. It's going to be a cliffhanger at the end of this. So we have always placed We've always placed cliffhangers in all of our movies, but the, the truth in lending is that this is our fourth feature film, and we've never been in the same place uh, uh, to, to do a sequel. We haven't done a sequel yet. And so, you know, the, the, the reality is if there was the opportunity to get back to Pennsylvania, if there was a budget based on the of the first one, you know, I, I wouldn't totally rule it out. But the the odds are that the cliffhanger it would lead to the eye in the beholder, the how it would everything would pan out. But I'll tell you, the the way that the the ending is, uh, it, it definitely leaves a whole world uh, of possibility there. Oh, that's fantastic! I don't know about you guys, but I just I just want to see you know Suji Cruz repri- reprise her role six or seven times. Just a whole entire, you know, what do you call that? Like a quadrilogy or four, uh, like six of them. I don't know, like a sex couplet. I want to see six of these. Hey, I will tell you that the only thing in the equation that isn't there is me. So everything else <laughs> is our imposition where you could all just totally, just, just, you know, talk to me beforehand so I can give you the legal rights and let's, you know, let's, let's do this straight, Austin. <laughs> <laughs> I want her yeah, to be like you know like the, the way Freddy Krueger was in the eighties. Help me oh, too. How how is yeah. that? Steampunk <laughs> Freddy Krueger. <laughs> yeah, well, like, you know how he had like six films. I just want her to keep coming back. You know, okay. secret within the skull. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> secret within the Publix. You know, everything could be there. Secret. Secret within the, the uh, Publix. Yeah. Within the Walmart. <laughs> Who knows? What's in this box of cereal? <laughs> I'm not going to be happy until I see like trinkets at the store with Adeline. Oh, Adeline. <laughs> what did you all, all of you, and uh, what would you rather yeah, have no, first? You, okay, you brought this up, Austin. So, what would you rather see first, you and Suji, and and probably your fellow actors? What? Well, uh, I'm sorry. Could, figure, could you say that again? What, okay. You actors, and, and you're responsible for this question, Austin, because you put the idea in my mind. Uh, what would you see if there were going to be trinkets? The first thing, would you rather the first thing be an action figure or a bobblehead? Oh, my uh, bo- uh, action figure. 
Yeah, Funko. just like in Spaceballs where Funko. Darth Helmet's playing with the... What? <laughs> Funko. Funko. Oh, yeah, Funko Pops. Oh, okay. <laughs> <laughs> or, uh, let's see. And then I, I think you, you really know you're there when people are, when kids dress like you for Halloween, right? Yeah. Oh, yeah. Or cosplay, yeah. I was going to say, the costumes are amazing. The, the costumes did turn out to be fantastic. So I don't think the steampunk community will be saddened to see how, how those kind of came together. So Okay, good. So, so all the elements are there. All oh. the elements are there. The only thing is me. So you don't need me to hold you back. Uh, <laughs> Go ahead. Have your, have your oh. public community. And and have your thirty hour days and just create to your heart's desire. I look forward to seeing it. Go blossom, my children. Be free. Okay, so all right. And um also I'll let you know when the day comes, although you may know before me when I'm able to get my Corgi a Duchess Adeline costume for Halloween. So that would be you know, Oh ooh, that would be amazing. Yeah, you have to tell me if you go with her or her more proper Duchess costume, or if you go with more of the um, the war costume. Oh, I so. will. I will. I had a corgi before that entered the pageant, and she got a she had a sparkly outfit. She had a, a little cowgirl outfit and a hat. Oh, that's amazing. And uh, <laughs> that's a story in itself. Let me tell you. So. Uh, <laughs> I'll tell you the whole story sometime, if guys, if you want to hear it. But it ends up the punch, the end of the end line of the story is if something because I almost choked to death, and I said, "Can I imagine my Bible thumping mother hearing that I died on a Sunday afternoon in a lesbian bar wearing a tank top and no bra?" Because hey, I turned total stage mom, you know, pageant mom at the time, um, and. Uh, Choking on wine with my dog dressed like Dale Evans. Okay, so anyway, (laughs) hey, we've all been there, you know. (laughs) There's no reason to feel weird, you know. Feel, uh, yeah, we've all been there. That's 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 Austin Saturday night. Uh, (laughs) I don't know. (laughs) Yeah, every weekend I could die like that. Oh my God! And, 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 and I've heard the George too. I don't know. I'm just kidding, George. He was a friend of mine who was a gorgeous woman. MC is tall. Okay. So, so anyway, oh, and, and the MC was a tall, beautiful woman named Lauren who was a friend of mine, and she was going through sex change surgery at the time, sexual uh, gender reassignment surgery. And I remember she mm-hmm. said, when people gave her. You know, like they did cash tips to drag queens. She said, just 10000 more dollars, and that Teflon beep is mine, all mine. So, <laughs> <laughs> what kind of genius bottle did I walk into? <laughs> <laughs> Listen, guys, you are all absolutely delightful. I, I owe Wheeler Stone uh, uh, and his beautiful wife a bunch of love for sending you here. David, I was so happy to get yes, your email and so glad to have you all here. I'm so excited about this movie already, yeah, even before meeting you, and I think everybody will be. Uh, Zigzag is having everybody is having a good time on this one, and I just want you all to come back. We'll make it a pajama party. Oh <laughs> yeah, yeah, <laughs> good. Absolutely. I sleep in my I underwear. Know. Oh, no one wants to hear about your personal choices. <laughs> <laughs> Just keep it clean. Hey, hey, keep it clean. The other story will be my first drumming gig was playing for people who were naked. Okay, they were <laughs> they were at a retreat to learn how to do the wild thing better. It took a whole weekend for them to learn techniques, and then we were coming in just after the end of the. Uh, the massage session and they were waking up. Now I'm not saying they were all naked. Some people had like maybe a scarf around their neck or something, but other than that, and some jewelry. But other than that, uh, and only the scarf is a good gig. touch. <laughs> well, they try to make it into a cape actually, but yeah, yeah, got it. So hey, I would be happy, happy for you to all come back and hang out anytime. I think you are fabulous, and uh, we will all be looking for secret within the sphere, secret within the sphere. From um, Noble Park Productions, and I will be sharing information 
on this on all of my social media as uh, Madam Perry Salon, or also as or and also as Jennifer Perry. And thank you all so much. I'm going to end you with uh, my song. Everybody's got to swing, and I think you are all fabulous. Well, come back next week. We've got Soraya Rock. Soraya Rock. I love Judy was boring. Hello. Then Judy discovered Jumbacasino.com. It's my little escape. Now Judy's the life of the party. Oh, baby, mama's bringing home the bacon. Whoa, take it easy, Judy. The Chumba life is for everybody. So go to Chumbacasino.com and play over 100 casino-style games. Join today and play for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. Chumbacasino.com. No purchase necessary. Void were prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details.